Hey there, I'm Daphna Chazen, and this is the Down to Earth PCOS Nutrition Podcast. On the show, we talk about managing PCOS using proven strategies, ditching diets for good, and balancing hormones naturally. Let's get to it. Today's episode is all about soy. What it is, is it safe for PCOS and how to add it to your day. This is a recording of a Facebook Live I recently did on this topic. And in it, I review some of the science behind eating soy and share some of the benefits of it specifically for PCOS. So if you've been confused about this, today's episode is gonna help clarify a lot of your questions. I also talk about what you need to be cautious about when adding soy to your diet, as well as how to select your products, what to look for, and how to prep it. So I hope you find this short episode helpful and let's dive right in. dive right into talking about soy. So as I said before, especially in the PCOS and hormone world, hormone health world, soy is really controversial. There are a lot of people who think soy is terrible for you. It's the cause of cancer. And it's really something that women with PCOS need to be avoiding. And that is not true. So let's start talking about what soy really is. So soy is a type of plant, right? Soybeans are a type of legume that are grown here in the U.S., and they can be made into many different products. Now, we're going to draw a distinction today between soy that is genetically modified and very processed and soy that's minimally processed because this is important. Everything that I'm going to talk about today is referring to soy that is minimally processed. And those are things like soybeans, also known as edamame. So if you ever go to a Japanese restaurant or even, you know, in the regular supermarket, you can find soybeans in the freezer section that are unprocessed. Sometimes they come in a pod, in a shell. Sometimes they come shelled. And those are essentially soybeans that have just been picked and frozen and they are not processed at all. This is the stuff that tofu is made of. So tofu is another type of very minimally processed soy product that is made from fermented soybeans. So they take these soybeans edamame and they ferment them and they create things like tofu or tempeh. If you've ever seen those products usually in the refrigerated section and usually it's in the produce section of your supermarket. And those are also examples of very minimally processed soy. So edamame, which are soybeans, tofu, tempeh. Soy milk is also usually minimally processed. We want to pick products that have very little ingredients in them. Those are okay. And then miso. Miso is a paste that is made from soy. So we're going to leave miso aside because that's a little bit of a more specialized product. But if we're talking about minimally processed soy, we're talking about soybeans, tofu, tempeh, and soy milk. Those products are considered safe and minimally processed, and we're going to talk about that. What's considered not safe or at least unknown in terms of safety is what I call frankensoy. These are soy products that have been processed and have gone through a lot of different processes to become something else. And you may see them as soy burgers, protein bars that are made with soy, the morning crumbles. So a lot of different meat replacement products are based with soy that has been very heavily processed. And the reason why we don't like those, first of all, we don't have enough information and studies done on these things to know how they impact us long-term because those are products that the food industry has created over the recent years to kind of accommodate the vegetarian and vegan 
the rise in vegan and vegetarian people. So we see a lot of, you know, breakfast sausages and burgers and morning crumbles and granola bars and protein bars and protein shakes that are made with soy. And those are heavily processed. And the reason that we don't like them, first of all, because we don't know what they do in the body, but also what we do know is, is that when they process soy to that level and that degree, about 80% of something called soy isoflavins are removed. And soy isoflavins are the most beneficial, healthiest part of the soybean. And when we process soy, about 80% of those, they're called isoflavins, they're a type of antioxidant that helps the body stay healthy, are removed in the process. So we're losing all the benefit of the soy in the process of processing the soy, right? So that's why we don't want to necessarily focus on soy products that are processed. We want to go with things that are very minimally processed. And again, that's going to be your edamame, your tofu, your tempeh. Most most soy milks do not have a lot of ingredients in them. So you always want to check the label and make sure that the ingredient list is fairly short. It doesn't contain any weird chemicals or names that you can't recognize. And that's a pretty safe way to go. Okay. Okay. So let's move into talking about cancer because this is probably one of the most controversial topics, soy and cancer, specifically breast cancer. So what I need you to know is that a lot of the studies that were done that showed some issue with soy were done very long ago. Okay. They were done in the 1940s and many of them were also done on animals. They were done on sheep and mice. And what we know now you know, many, many years later, 80 years later, is that sheep and mice don't process soy the way that humans do. And we also know that the amounts of soy that were given in these studies are not, it's not humanly possible to consume those amounts of soy. So we always have to think about, okay, we see this study, maybe it reports some issue, but if we're injecting mega doses of isolated soy into a rat's bloodstream, that's not going to be the same as eating a serving of tofu and digesting it in a human body, right? And we also need to think about concentration. So what they saw in some of these studies is that the concentration of soy in the blood was really high and that was what created issues. When we think about a little mouse or, you know, even a sheep, that concentration, because the animal is so much smaller than the human body, obviously the concentration of soy in the blood of the animal is going to be way higher than it is in a human. Not to mention, again, the mechanism by which we break down soy is not at all the same as what happens in an animal's body. Okay, so a lot of these studies are not that valid and they're not even that you know beneficial or, or helpful in inferring information about what happens with soy in our own body. What we do know from many human studies that were done more recently is that not only is soy not harmful and cancer causing, it's actually protective against cancer. So this may blow your mind because we always hear about soy being bad and soy being something that's carcinogenic, but we actually know from looking at populations of people who eat soy on a regular basis and in high amounts as in Asian countries, and we see that their rates of cancer are way, way lower. And the reason for this, there are a few reasons for this. The main reason for this is that soy is very protective against many diseases. But remember, we're just talking about unprocessed soy. So we know that soy can help reduce the risk of cancer because it can help reduce inflammation. It's beneficial in reducing insulin resistance. 
So it is helpful for the body to stay healthy. And that's specifically beneficial for women with PCOS because inflammation and insulin resistance are both main drivers of PCOS. So when we can control things like insulin resistance, we can control inflammation that also in turn reduces the risk for cancer. And specifically breast cancer, what we know is that unprocessed soy has something called phytoestrogens in it, okay? So phytoestrogens are a type of compound in soy that's naturally occurring. It's there to begin with from the plant, from the soy plant. And it does act like our own body's estrogen. So if I were to eat tofu and it contains a good amount of phytoestrogens, that stuff is going to act in my body the way my own body's estrogen does, but in a little bit of a weaker way. So that can be beneficial because what happens is if I eat a good amount of soy on a regular basis, my body will be able to get rid of my own body's estrogen, which may be high if I'm a woman with PCOS, much more effectively, okay? Because that soy estrogen or the phytoestrogens from the soy are going to take precedence in my body and help my body excrete extra soy, okay? So this is a little bit hard to understand, but what I need you to know is that there are phytoestrogens in soy and they are beneficial. They can reduce risk of disease. They can reduce risk of cancer. They are helpful in managing insulin resistance and they're very heart protective, which is also important because women with PCOS are at much higher risk for heart disease and conditions like cardiac problems, stroke, high blood pressure and things like that. And soy is known to be beneficial and protective against heart disease. But remember, we're talking about unprocessed soy. So we talked about cancer. We talked about heart disease. Let's talk a little bit about thyroid and fertility as well. So there are actually no studies that show women with PCOS have reduced fertility when they eat soy, quite the opposite, actually. Women, women who have gone through IVF treatments had a 70% increase in live birth rates when they consumed soy regularly. That's a huge statistic. That's a huge number. So we actually see that soy can be beneficial with fertility and with increasing the rates of live births. And also, when we talk about thyroid specifically, that's where things become a little bit more tricky. So I'm going to get to that in a minute, but let me just jump. There's a comment here. Okay. So stay away from heavily processed soy items, but ultimately soy is okay. If not heavily processed, yes, 100%. Soy is extremely high in fiber. So soy that is not processed, which essentially again means soybeans like edamame. So you can eat those straight as a snack. You can put them in a stir fry. They can go in a soup. They can go in, you know, a million of vegetarian dishes. In my program, I have a lot of recipes that show you how to eat a high protein diet that has no meat in it. Now, my program is not plant-based, but I give a lot of options because I have a lot of women from Indian cultures and I have a lot of women who don't eat a lot of meat just because they don't like it or they don't want to incorporate it or they lost their, you know, they lost their taste for things like chicken and beef and they want to eat more of a vegetarian plan, but they don't want to miss out on protein. So soy, things like edamame, tofu, and tempeh play a huge role in that. And I have lots of recipes in my program to show you how to incorporate it and how to have plant-based meals that are high in protein. And that's beneficial for everyone. So even if you do love chicken and you don't mind eating meat, I do recommend that a couple times a week you have a plant-based dinner so that you can get the benefits of things like soy 
tofu, tempeh, and of course, beans and legumes as well, because that's highly, highly beneficial for hormones, for reducing insulin resistance. Tofu is extremely high in fiber and the protein quality in tofu is the highest. It's it's the closest plant-based protein in quality to an animal protein. So tofu is a huge, huge part of, you know, some of the plans that I put out for women with PCOS. Now, if you don't like it, don't worry, you don't have to eat it. But if you don't mind it or you enjoy it or you, you know, you want to incorporate it more, but you weren't sure if it's safe, it's 100% safe with the exception of women who take thyroid medication. We're going to talk about that in a second. But hopefully that answers your question. Yes, tofu and tempeh and any other soy product that is not heavily processed is perfectly safe. Now, if you take a package in the supermarket, you go and you pick up a veggie burger and you look at the back and you see that there's a very long ingredient list and, you know, some of the ingredients include, sometimes it's called textured soy or soy isolate or things like that. Those are more processed usually. So first of all, if something has a really long ingredient list, that's already a sign that it's probably processed. But then some of the key words that you can look for, sometimes it says SPI, soy protein isolate, or sometimes it says soy crumbles, or sometimes it will say textured soy or things like that. Those are words that you can look out for and know that that usually means it's a processed soy product. Okay, so hopefully this is helpful. Let's talk a little bit about soy, soy and thyroid. So if you have hypothyroidism and you're taking a medication called levothyroxine, which is a very common medication used for hypothyroidism, you need to be a little bit more careful with soy because soy can reduce the efficacy of your medication. So this is also true for coffee, for fiber, for iron. So a lot of different foods interact with levothyroxine. It's not something that's wrong with the food. It's the medication that is very sensitive to different chemicals and, and things in your body. Okay. So this is why if you're taking levothyroxine, you're probably been told by your doctor to take it on an empty stomach and wait a couple hours before you eat something. This can pose a little bit of an issue for a lot of women, especially in the morning if you're skipping breakfast and then you don't have the opportunity to eat. But in my program, I help you work it out. So that's not something I want to get into today. But if you're someone who is dealing with issues like this, I want you to think about working with someone so that you can get in a good solid nutrition plan and not miss out on your food and nutrients and create a problem for you later on in the day just because you need to avoid food because of the medication. But soy can interact with levothyroxine, just like fiber and coffee and all other things. And what you need to do is basically not take your medication in close proximity to when you would eat something with soy. Okay, so usually that's not a problem because most people take their medication early in the morning and you wouldn't eat tofu for breakfast usually. So that usually is not a big issue, but you do need to be aware of the fact that soy can reduce the efficacy of your thyroid medication. And this is why you want to probably wait two, maybe even three hours before you eat soy if you've taken a thyroid medication. Okay, so that's really the only thing that you need to be cautious with. I would highly recommend you experiment and you try to add soy into your week, maybe once or twice a week. You have a stir fry with tofu or you put edamame into an omelet or into a salad or you create some type of meal where the main ingredient is unprocessed soy. 
that can be highly, highly beneficial. It's very filling. It provides tons of nutrition, protein, fiber, vitamins, and minerals. And it's extremely protective against heart disease and insulin resistance, which as a woman with PCOS, you need to be prioritizing. Reversing insulin resistance and inflammation should be a top priority to anyone with PCOS. And soy-based products can play a huge role in that, okay? So I wanted to answer any questions that you have about this, kind of wrap up for today. This is a big topic that we can continue to talk about on and on and on, but I wanted to just jump on here and clarify. So the bottom line is that really not only is soy not a danger or any type of unsafe product or food to consume if you're concerned with cancer, it actually is protective against cancer, specifically breast cancer. It's also protective against heart disease. It's also going to help you prevent prediabetes because it helps with insulin resistance. And at the end of the day, it's going to add variety into your week. So if you're tired of eating chicken as your main protein, if you're tired of, you know, focusing on different foods as your staples, you can expand a little bit and you can try to incorporate tofu. Now, the nice thing about tofu is it can take on any flavor. It's very versatile. You can add it to different things. It doesn't taste great on its own. But what I like to do, those of you here in the US, if you have a Trader Joe's by you or some of the health food stores, they already have pre-cooked tofu that is seasoned. And if you're a beginner with tofu, that's a great way to go because sometimes people don't know how to cook tofu or how to season it and make it really flavorful. So I always buy Trader Joe's has pre-seasoned sriracha tofu and they have another one that's like a teriyaki marinated tofu. It's already cooked. All you have to do if you take a block of tofu is cut it in half. Half of a block is usually a serving and you can chop it into cubes, stir fry it, throw it into a salad or bake it. Sometimes I put it in my air fryer. So there's a lot of different things that you could do with it and then try to kind of experiment and see how it may fit into your meal plan. All right. So I'm going to sign off. I think we covered quite a few things for today. Remember, unprocessed tofu is your friend. You want to incorporate it. I would love to see some recipes, some ideas, some of your experiences if you do decide to try it so that we can all get inspired and get some new ideas when it comes to tofu. And if you're someone who wants meal ideas and new recipes, please go and check out my PCOS meal bundle where you're going to find lots of exciting new recipes as well as dozens of breakfasts, lunches, and dinner suggestions, plus a done-for-you grocery list for each one of the meal plans. And it's all designed to meet your needs with PCOS and make your life easier, save you time, take the headache out of the equation when it comes to PCOS meal planning, and really streamline the process of creating meals for the week, not just for you, but for your family as well. So when it comes to planning and prepping your food, this is going to stop you from second guessing yourself. It's going to stop you from scratching your head and not knowing what to eat, buy, or prepare. I have it all laid out for you in a really nice, neat bundle. I even give you a list of my favorite brands and products. If you're here in the US and you go to the grocery store, you're gonna have a visual guide of all the products that I recommend, exactly what to buy. I give you kitchen shortcuts, swaps, modifications, and tons of menu items that not only you, but your family will love as well. So go to daphnachazen.com forward slash meal prep, daphnachazen.com slash meal prep, 
All the information is over there. It's $47. It's going to be worth every penny because it's going to make your life so much easier and give you new life when it comes to eating. If you're bored with your food, if you keep repeating the same healthy meals over and over again, this is going to breathe new life into your kitchen and meal prep routine. I cannot wait for you to check it out. DaphnaChazen.com slash meal prep. Okay, I hope you enjoyed today's episode all about soy. I'd love to hear your thoughts and comments and any questions that you may have about this topic. You can find me over on Instagram. I'm at PCOS.nutritionist.daphna. Come on over there, connect with me, send me a DM. I'd love to chat with you about this topic or anything else related to PCOS. And I can't wait to talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.